This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. everyone and welcome to the second episode of the stardom cast i'm your host rob good and i'm joined by chris o'brien how are you chris i'm fine i'm gonna get drunk tonight that's gonna be fun um i'm just happy to be talking about my favorite wrestling in the world right now so <laughs> it's a lovely little birthday present for you isn't it because it was your birthday on wednesday chris wasn't it how old were you i'm 23 now 23 years old, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone, everyone that listens to this podcast will be like, I fucking hate him. I fucking hate him. <laughs> and to be fair, I'm 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 around the same age as Tyler Bay, which makes me feel like a failure. So I can't <laughs> imagine what Tyler Bay makes you and Garth feel like. <laughs> <laughs> Look what he's doing at 23. Look at what I'm doing at 23. Yeah, I can see that to be yeah, fair. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, I'm I'm struggling through uni, and he's there going, "Oh, I'm one of the best, I'm best wrestlers in the world." I'm like, "Yeah, well, fuck you, you fucking sexy man." I can't, I can't be mean to Tyler Bate. He's just so you attractive. Fucking isn't sexy it? man, damn you, you sexy bastard. <laughs> stupid sexy, stupid sexy bait. <laughs> amazing, absolutely amazing. <laughs> Tyler Bate is an absolute piece of bait. Now, um. We're not here to talk about sexy men. We're here to talk about really scary women. We're here um, to cause... talk about scary women. We are indeed, Chris. And why are we here to talk about scary women, Chris? Because <laughs> it's a stardom podcast. It is a stardom podcast. It is a stardom podcast. <laughs> like, there's, literally, there's literally no other reason. This is a podcast about stardom. What the fuck else are we meant to talk about? Um, we're here to talk about the um, 25th of January um Ninth anniversary show from Corican Hall. Um, Stardom's monthly Corican show being their anniversary show. So we pulled out all the stops. Honestly, I'd say most of this card is um, is above average, and like about half of it is amazing. And then we're we're gonna have a little, a couple points for the Osaka show, mostly because Kagetsu retired with the new champion crowned, um, and the high speed GP continues, which has been sort of nothing so far, but you know it's worth talking about. And yeah, we're just here to sort of blast through what because it's been a quiet month for Sardom, really, hasn't it? Because after um, all their post New Year um, stuff, like from this Corican to now, there's basically only been the Osaka show and the Corican show yesterday. With um, yesterday, tomorrow, today, it's at some point. Uh, in any case, we won't be covering that. We'll be covering that next time. Anyway, Rob, how much of the Corican show did you watch? So, obviously, we had the ninth anniversary show at Corican, um, which yeah. 1,602 people attended, which is an absolutely yes. st- astonishing um, 
sort of amount of people to go to this show. Um, yeah, for, no, for a non New Japan company to draw nearly two thousand is pretty rare nowadays. Absolutely, and it was a good show, like you mentioned. I watched um, everything apart from the dark match. The dark match was Tokyo Cyber Squad okay. team of Rina and Rawaka defeating the Queen's Quest team of Hina and Leo Onazaki in three minutes and thirty nine seconds. Didn't watch that. Um, so the first it was match, um, there was a really very quickly, but there was one, only one really good part of that where it was it was like a rip cord into a doodle throw. That was a cool move. I forget who did it, but like, yeah, this match was passable. <laughs> <laughs> we move on then to a three-way exhibition, really, for the high-speed GP um, with Zumi defeating Starlight Kid and Zoe Sky in six minutes and three seconds. What did you think, Chris? It was fun. I'll, every time Azumi and Starlight Kid gets into a ring, the match is automatically a six or above, but also never quite reaches above an eight. <laughs> but this was still extremely fun. Um, Zoe Sky more than kept up, which like is very hard with Azumi and Starlight Kid because they they're basically two fucking bullets um, in the ring. But no, I like. I just it was a, generally just an enjoyable opener nothing groundbreaking but honestly for the six minutes it is i just recommend watching it if you're going to watch through this card yeah it was high speed at its finest it was it was especially the opening was extremely quick paced like you said zoe sky kept up i thought her backpack stunner was great um though her music doesn't fit her character in any fucking way no so in any fucking way like what what should she be coming out to though what would you have her come out to just I don't know anything that's not some kind of poppy princess music, which is what seemed to come on. Because at the t- during her post uh, pre match interview, she was sort of tanning and talking about how you know she was going to beat Azumi and stuff like it, and being effectively acting like a heel. And then her music hits, and it's like, yeah. what the fuck is this? Honestly, I think she needs hip hop. She like she's a hip hop character. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of really embrace that as opposed to the weird techno dance music that we seem to be enduring during that match. Um, it's a small complaint. Like you mentioned earlier, I thought Azumi and Starlight Kids exchanges were the best, um, though the double sunset flip pinfall attempt looked a bit messy. Um, but yeah, but that, like, I think that's the spot best. When you consider how young we are and how hard it is to do that spot well, like Osprey and Saber in the in their match barely managed to do like sunslip um flips into flips well and they're two of the best in the world, so and honestly I kind of let them off on that one. Yeah, fair enough. I gave it six altogether. Yeah, I'd give it a six. It's like it's very unlikely for a match going six minutes to reach seven, but also like a match that goes ten minutes can reach nine. So like it's weird how times work in wrestling. Anyway, the next match was <laughs> The six man tag team not match. Not much then. to talk about, to be honest. But, not you know, at all. It, not at all. It, it was on Yeah. It was um it was a Wadatai team of Natsu Kotora, Natsu ah, Natsu Sumire and Saki versus um the young stars team of people I'm not even gonna bother naming because I'm not gonna have to worry about then who the names are for like five years yet. Apart from Ida, who is getting much better and I'm really enjoying her. Yeah. Ida's my age. She doesn't look my age, does she? No, neither none of this team look above about fourteen. Well, yeah, Ida's twenty two. <laughs> Ida's 20. How old's Hoshino? Um, Hoshino is... She's one of the young ones. Oh, Hoshino's 22 as well. Kamatani? Kamatani is 23. Oh, these are... Oh, I thought... They all look 15. They do. They do all look ridiculously young. And like you say, you're probably not going to have to worry about them for another couple of years yet before they, you know, really ascend into the main well, event scene. That, 
Eda's starting to like. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Eda's in the five star this year. So. Yeah, but um, she's not going to do well in the five star, is she? No, she's going to be a um, pin eater, but or like maybe she'll take someone big to a draw. But although. Um, this match was definitely set up just to get Saki's heel character over. It's her first big show since turning. And I don't know. I, I prefer her in a time just because in Stars she was literally just a nothing. Like, she was in last month, and you probably don't remember a damn thing about her. No, not at all. I, I remember the turn, but that that's unfortunately literally it, which is quite a shame, really, isn't it? Yeah, no, and I've been watching for ages, and Saki sort of had no matches of note, really. Like, she's been in a few good six-mans, but, like, she's literally been the worst person in the six-man. So, um, honestly, the best part of this match was when Ida, like, literally hulked up and became Walter for a little while. <laughs> yeah, and it it was five star, It was five stars for me. I, uh, honestly, I'd, get, I'd give it a six just because Ida hulking up. I was like, holy shit, she's finally lost it. I don't think it was anywhere near as good as the Izumi Starlight Kid Zoe Sky match. And since we're giving that a six, I don't think we can no. give this six man a six, uh, six, to be perfectly honest. Well, the high six versus the low six here, I think. And I'm not going to argue with you because we're going to have even bigger disagreements as this card goes on. I can imagine so. Um, let's move on then. Third match Tam Nakano defeating Kagetsu in 10 minutes and 15 seconds. Um, Tam Nakano, again looks adorable and then just unleashes which is just absolutely fucking terrifying it's such a it's such a juxtaposition isn't it it's like if garth suddenly like came out as this amazingly progressive person <laughs> uh we can say what we want about garth on this one because i don't think he's going to listen to this one yeah he's definitely not going to listen like it's like if garth came out and it's like you know what i agree with the person who's offended <laughs> um Kagetsu, really, really good. It's such a shame she's retiring. Obviously, I know there's um, she backstage really stuff here. The story in the post match did Kagetsu. She did, she did, and I'm glad like, it only went ten re- minutes as well. Yeah, but honestly, this is probably the best match in the fifteen minutes all year. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd argue it's it's up there definitely. Like, the only the only real competition it has is Zach versus um, Saber at Tokyo Dome, but I'd argue this is better because this match actually felt like a fully formed epic within 10 minutes. Yeah, and like it, this... it didn't feel like 10 minutes either. It it flowed by really, really well. It, at no point did it feel like it was going too long, you know, as it wouldn't do at 10 minutes, but it, it flowed very well. The story was put together very well. Yeah, but it's flow, but also the story was told, like, Kagetsu going out the ring, sort of just sauntering about. Yeah. And then um, coming back in, and then they're just throwing bombs at each other for the rest of the match. Um, Tam Nakano is somehow getting better, and she was already one of the best to start when I started watching about six months ago. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, obviously, I've seen very limited amounts of Tam Nakano, but this was this was great. This was really, really good, and I actually preferred this to the Arisa match. Um, I'm actually inclined to agree with you. I gave it a nine. I gave it an eight, but I'm willing to give it a nine. Yeah, especially since, again, we have a massive disagreement coming up. But yeah, no, this match was, like, honestly, and for that 10 minutes, you don't really have much of an excuse. Seriously, check this out. Because then after the, after the match, um, Tam getting really emotional with Kagetsu, so going, thank you for letting me out of the website so I can actually follow this. Like, it was, like, again, it was a fully formed story within 10 minutes. And, like, I'm, it's refreshing with stardom. Because, again, we're, we're in a climate 
a climate in New Japan where unless there's a never open weight match, title matches feel like they have to go twenty five or longer. Whereas in like Stardom, we're just sort of like we'll let we'll give them as much time as they need, and then we'll just let them get on a bit. Like seriously, the runtime of this whole show is ninety minutes, and the whole thing's great. So, yeah, I agree. Um, moving on then to the first championship match of the show, and it was the Goddesses of Stardom title match, which is again Stardom's tag team titles with the team of B Priestley and Jamie Hayter defeating the Tokyo Cyber Squad team and the current champions Jungle Kiona and Konami in twelve minutes and fifty-five seconds. I have a question, Chris, regarding this. So yeah, go ahead. obviously, Jamie at the time of re- at the time of this match, Jamie Hater is in Oida Tai, and B Priestley is in Queen's Quest. Now, in our first yeah. podcast, we talked about how the units are very strict, or far more strict than they are in New Japan. So why yeah, is less... it? It's honestly, I think it's because um, two reasons. One, there's new owners, so I think there's just people sort of getting into this seeing things with that and also um there's been an unbelievable exodus with a like let me put it this way with five pro dlc there's three people from a who went in which was andras kagetsu and and hazuki kagetsu and hazuki have retired and andras got kicked out of a so what was like very anemic even so you know so like this is sort of a this is um the turn that's happened um, like from the night was all down to that and with B Priestley and Jamie Hayter they're an established tag team from the tag league and that was before the Bushi Road buyout and like honestly it was just because they're the Gaijins so okay so that was what I wanted to ask because that was what confused me with you having obviously said that you know the unit and factions in stardom are far more strict than they are in New Japan I just wanted to check that yeah I, I, I completely I, I did completely forget that was the um, but they did tag team. It's literally just because Priestley was the champion. She didn't want to team with anyone. And like, assume, basically in Queen's Quest, Azumi was already taken, which is who B would want to tag with. So she was like, fuck it. I'm having hater. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Fair enough. So this match then, Chris, um, I love the dynamic between Jamie and B. I think it's great. Um, Jungle in this match, I thought she did a great job. Her and Jamie Hayter, Jungle as you've already mentioned. Here, yeah. I just thought the fact the shit out of each other. But then even when she was literally on her last leg, she's kneeling down, she's getting the shit beaten out of her by Jamie Hater, she didn't tag out because she was like, No, I need to beat Jamie Hater. And she didn't tag Konami in for absolutely fucking ages. And I thought that was a really, no, she... really good story beat. Yeah, she didn't tag in Konami until she absolutely had to. Um like honestly, Kiona and Konami are two of the like most underpushed people in wrestling right now. It's kind of criminal. Especially with Kiona, but like actually some of that happened on the ninth anniversary show, um, in Osaka. Um, that sort of changed, which I'm very happy about. But like there's one spot in this match I want to mention, Rob, and it's gonna seem so minor that you're gonna hate me, but also like I really appreciated it. So you know how there's an unwritten rule in wrestling where like if you even touch doing a submission or a pin in um in a tag match that gets broken up yes it's extremely annoying yes in this konami came in started kicking the shit out of b and b didn't let go of a submission which was brilliant because that is exactly what you should do no exactly until the point where like literally i'm in so much pain i cannot hold it like you should never unless it's like a fucking abushi or a wrestler kick you should not let go of the first kick no never and i thought that was really really good there was a there was a moment as well. There was um, a tag team move between, t- um, 
Konami and um, Kyo, uh, Jungle, where they did a drop kick assisted power bomb onto B. So they got um, B yeah. up in a power bomb with Jamie Hayter on the floor, and then um, I think Konami came off the top, drop kicked B, and the power bomb onto Jamie. I, just, I really, really loved that. I thought that was great. Um, despite that, there was still some really, really botchy bits in it from Jamie Hayter. Um, uh-huh. So, for example, there was a suicide dive which looked incredibly botchy, um, and then there was a lariat which just looked—it looked really, really messy. Um, and I don't know. I don't know whether that it didn't take anything away from it for me that much, um, but it was something that I did notice, and it was on more than one occasion. I don't know if you noticed that, Chris. I did and like within the grand scheme of stardom where everything is so crispy and jamie sort of stand out as not being crisp but i think that sort of lends it to him i think that sort of lends like it's like in all japan in the 90s with hansen how he was very different so i kind of like it but also yeah sometimes it does look a bit messy um i think honest but honestly i don't i don't it didn't affect the match quality for me just okay. because, like, the main driving force of this match was Jungle Kiona and her selling and her being one of the best in stardom. I love Jungle so much. Yeah, it was it was really, really good. Um, of course, we did have a title change here, though, with B winning with a Japanese Ocean Cyclone Suplex. Oh, mm- she's not allowed to call her that. Oh, is she not? <laughs> do you want to hear about the drama? Of course I want to hear about the drama. Love a bit of drama. So do you know who invented that move? Uh, Aja Kong. No, Made it was Manami Toyota. <laughs> to be fair, it was one of Kong's greatest tracks. Anyway, it was Manami Toyota, and um, B didn't ask permission before taking it. Right, so she's not so, allowed to call it so that. So, yeah, so she, she basically she has heat with Manami Toyota, and Stardom don't want that. Um, so it's like she called it the Queen's Landing, which I think is a better, move to, uh, better name, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. That's a far better like, name. I, like I'm sure there's going to be a Joshi fan listening going, "Uh, go watch big wrestling, big egg wrestling university cunts," but um, no. I don't care. It's a better name. Probably. Yeah, it is a better name. I agree. Although, uh, like some some Joshi fans do give people like that Joshi fan in Inside the Ropes. I won't name his name, but if you're in Inside the Ropes, you know him. And like he was trying to sell Joshi to someone, going, "How can someone say no to a former softcore erotica staff beating the shit out of someone?" I'm like, honestly, if that's how Joshi was explained to me, I would never tried sadly no it does need to be explained a little bit better than that no um, exactly like but you either need to like go hey look they're really fast matches like imagine if lucha underground and new japan had a baby or um you need to go to do what i did and wear down um your podcast co-host for about six months before they give up <laughs> um jamie hater and b Priestley, of course become the first gaijin team to hold the goddesses of stardom title so yeah i believe the gaijin has held the title but not a gaijin team no um i'll double check that right now because there's not been a ton of um let's see um tie ranks but yeah um honestly jungle and um thingy have held it so long that it's not that big i'm not that sad that they've lost it yeah so i'm just re- and like again, I think after um, B had a, had, in some people's estimation, a bad reign. I thought it was really good personally. Um, but yeah, it's probably the best place for her to be in the tag team division. And honestly, for the way B wrestles, which is very like 
quick, high impact, and then fucking off. I think it, I, it's, it really fits her. So um, it doesn't look like there's any. Oh no, Haley Hatred. I think she can't be Japanese. But oh, Alpha Female. She's definitely not Japanese. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's been um, Gaijins, but not Gaijin teams. Cool. Um, just quickly, um, do you think it's the right? Oh, what would you rate oh, this match? Well, I was going to say, do you? Yeah, don't matter. Um, I'd give it seven. See, I gave it an eight, mostly because of um, the not breaking up spot. I would have given it eight, but you had 